0: You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. The Parking Podcast is brought to you by Vade. Vade helps cities understand and manage the curb by measuring when, where, and why it's used with wireless cameras and computer vision. Vade powers data-driven decisions that reduce congestion, improve pedestrian and bicycle safety, and better serve today's demand. Learn more at vade.ai. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text-to-park, permit-to-park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. The Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Welcome back to another episode of the Parking Podcast. With us today is Dave Honorado, Executive Director of Pittsburgh Parking Authority. How are you doing today, Dave?
1: I'm doing great. How about you?
0: I'm good, man. You've been... I uh, I just want to
1: say thank you for uh, having me on your podcast.
0: Oh yeah, you've been uh, a popular request. So Gary Means was the latest. Uh, IPMI has wanted me to have you on it. So I'm so happy that we got the mic to you and Gwen and we could talk all things Pittsburgh.
1: That sounds good and interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, um yeah, like like I said with IPMI, you've skyrocketed onto the scene in recent years. You were chairman of the board at IPMI. Before that, I remember years ago reading in the magazines about the you know, the first major city to go or maybe city period in North America to go exclusive pay-by-plate. Um we'll talk about that in a second, but take us back to the beginning. Have you is Pittsburgh parking all you've done in parking your whole career? Did you work for different parking before that? Tell us how you got into parking.
1: Well, I guess like most people, I'm just lucky I fell into it. I had uh, 15 years before I entered the parking industry up at the city of Pittsburgh finance department. And uh, an opportunity was uh, vacant in the finance department at the parking authority. And someone asked me if I'd be interested in moving down to uh, here. And, you know, I thought about it and said, that sounds like a decent move. Uh, how hard can parking be <laughs> from there?
0: <laughs> I realize parking is more than just uh, simply parking cars. And you didn't waste any time. I was like, man, if you started 15 years ago, and it was probably 11, 12 years ago, you you pulled the plug on the on on the pay by plate. So
1: no, I uh, was in. Uh, I'm sorry, I was in. Uh, I came to the authority in '95. I had 15 years at the city prior to '95.
0: Yeah, no, you said it correctly. Okay. So uh, you are Pittsburgh born and bred, it sounds like, but let's talk Pittsburgh. And uh, again, it's the uh, public parking authority of Pittsburgh, PPAP. Tell us, give our listeners an idea of the scope of this operation. Um, I'm also recording with Gwen. We're going to talk about on-street, but you can talk about that as well because that's so impressive. But what does it look like? Garages, on-street equipment, technology, kind of give us uh, what keeps you up at night. Tell us a little bit about the, the operation.
1: Sure. We have, uh, under my purview, we have uh, 10 garages with about 9,500 spaces. We have 10,000 parking spaces on uh, on street and off street. We also have our own uh, parking court. Our tickets are decriminalized and we had to set up our own parking court because the state notified us in 2005 that they would no longer adjudicate our tickets in the municipal courts. So we have one of the first cities to set up a parking court there. We have 32 uh, districts, our residential permit districts within the city. Annual budget since COVID has hit is down to $42 million uh, with garage revenues and meter revenues accounting for 98% of our revenues. And we're governed by a five-member board, and that's basically our association with the city. We're uh, truly separate and distinct from the city. We have our own pension and payroll. Any debt we would issue is not backed by the city. We have to be self-supportive. Of all our debt we issued, also.
0: Yeah, and we, you know, you talked about a parking authority and being separate from the city, but in addition to that, you know, a lot of cities have been they outsource some or all of the parking management, or they've been. Privatizing, leasing out the parking assets. I think you guys are even maybe looked at that or you've looked at over the years, but you've kept it in house. So, can you talk a little bit about maybe the sh- strengths and weaknesses of, of running it in house or what you guys found and why you've been so successful while keeping it in house?
1: Sure. Um, back in 2010, you're correct. We uh, did uh, have conversations with the city, and the then mayor wanted to look at privatizing our garages in uh, meter operations. So, we were instructed the the authority to run the process. So we did run a P3 process, which took about, it was a uh, detailed and involved RFP. That probably took the bidders a good eight to 12 months to put their bids together. We got successful bids in and uh, exceeded what the, the city price was, the city administration was looking for. I guess for political reasons, though, it didn't go through. But through that process, uh, the employees and myself learned a lot about the parking authority. Uh, we were surprised that the higher, higher value of money was on the street meters than the garages. And that came to fruition because the uh, capital costs of maintaining the garages, and most of our garages at that time were modernized, where our uh, meters were still the old single-space meters that were 30 years old. And we realized that the new company was going to come in and modernize the street system and then control the rates and give uh, more options for the uh, end users for payments. Uh, once the project was declined by our city council, we looked internally and said, you know, we've just been given a blueprint of how mm-hmm. the uh, private operators work, so we should now take advantage of this and rule out our own parking upgrades to the street meters. And that's when we decided to move forward with the uh, RFP to upgrade our streets.
0: Wow. And was that one of the ideas, the pay by plate, or did you see that at a trade show or a private operation? What made you go down the path of pay by plate?
1: Actually, our system was very antiquated and need updated. We had uh, meetings with the public, and they were looking for two things. Uh, They wanted another option to pay other than coins, and they didn't want to return to the car once they were at a meter to put a receipt in the car Oh yeah, on the dashboard. So we at first weren't looking for pay-by-plate. We did the RFP looking for pay-by-plate, pay-by-space, and we received uh, 10 successful bids on that. And through the interview process and working with our consultant, I kept hearing about pay-by-plate, and it was more interesting and interesting. So the companies we brought in to interview, we start asking them about it too during the interview, and they all had it. So we met internally again and decided to reject all bids and go out and do strictly pay-by-plate. The optimal reason was technology was ever-changing, so quickly changing on a month-to-month, year-to-year basis. I didn't want to spend a, capital, a large capital outlay and the system be outdated in two to three years. Uh, we knew it was a risk going in. Like you said, we were the first U.S. city to introduce pay-by-plate. As a fully operated uh, municipality, we checked uh, with our consultants. There were several uh, uh, European uh, cities that were doing it, and it was successful. Uh, Miami did it, I believe, on a partial pilot program, but didn't follow through with it at the end for whatever reason. Uh, we decided to go through with it, and you know it was one of the best decisions we made. It's very successful, and I think just by the other universities and municipalities following us. I think it's the way of the, uh, the, it's the most current method today in operations.
0: Yeah. and, And now it's so commonplace. Everyone has a picture of their license plate on their phone in their favorites folder. So it's like you don't have the people forgetting their plate number, not knowing what that means, pay by plate. So were there learning curves? What did you do to help people remember, I need to know my plate number?
1: Uh, there was a. We knew there was going to be a big l- learning curve, uh, in education to the public. So that was even included in our RFP that uh, the successful bidder would have to uh, include in their bid a marketing campaign, along with uh, the authority we would jointly do. So we we knew it was going to be a, a require a huge marketing effort to get people to accept it, and we've uh, met with community uh, groups, universities, businesses. Uh, before it was rolled out, we came up with flyers and key fobs. We, we, I think we were the first ones to invent a key fob with the license plate on. But I actually challenged the uh, residents at community meetings and that when they would complain about uh, remembering their license plate. And I said, you know, think of it. I said, I have to give you more credit than that. I said, do you know your social security number? They would say, yes. I said, well, that's more numbers than your license plate. <laughs> I said, we can do this in Pittsburgh. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that was kind of the first uh, recorded example of using the handing out key fobs. And I'm glad that you required your vendors to uh, be a part of that stakeholder engagement and going door to door and holding the business meetings and showing off the technology. Uh, what about we,
1: we did that yeah. because we the biggest fear was if the public didn't accept it, it would be a failure. So we had to get their buy-in from the beginning. And yep. our biggest fear on that was that, you know, we didn't want to issue someone a ticket had paid. So we took all kind of uh, creative software solutions to ensure that didn't happen. And for the first probably three months, if someone did call in with an uh, issue with the plate or a ticket they got, we would automatically void it out before we went forward. But after that, uh, the public bought into it, and it's been very successful.
0: And did you do like uh, a few weeks of warning tickets or... Was it?
1: Yes, when we yeah. first opened up, we did it block by block because a lot of people thought it was crazy for doing a, a whole city at once. They told me if it w- wouldn't work out, I wouldn't be long for parking, but it did. And still here. <laughs> we would uh, put advanced flyers in the neighborhoods and meet with them when it, you know, it's coming in two weeks. Then we would remove the meters and put the new ones up, and we would actually have meter greeters there to show people how they work, but we didn't uh, require them to pay it the first week. The second week, the meet degrees were still there. They had to pay it. And we walked them through the process. So we t- held them by their hands through the whole process, and uh, they did buy into it.
0: Yeah, and I'm assuming the big buy-in, I'm going to list a few benefits, I th- I think, based on what you said, and you let me know if there's any I missed. So customers love not having to walk back to their car and put their dash their receipt on their dashboard, and then I don't know if you guys did this, but some cities do where you pay on, let's say you're you're running errands. I pay for two hours. I finish up my haircut. I have an hour left. I can drive six blocks over to go to the bank and I don't have to pay again because it's kind of connected through the whole system. Or did you do more a block by block, street by street?
1: We did block by block, but uh, different neighborhoods have different rates. And from the beginning, we did implement that process you said, but you had to yet pay if you paid it at one district, you could move to any district that was that rate or lower. You couldn't pay at a ah, lower rate, and yeah. move to a higher rate. And we were able to identify if you did.
0: Oh, but you would allow that if it was a in the same district, a couple streets over, or a district with a yes, like at, if you, at or below, yeah, cost. Yes. You could, yeah,
1: our downtown's That's, the highest rate. So if you came here and bought four hours, you could go anywhere else in the city outside of downtown, and you had two hours. It was still good.
0: Oh, that's any other benefits that you heard about? I mean, from the meters, I like I travel a lot. I like having my receipt so I can expense it for work. So there's a lot of other benefits from jumping from the meters, paying with credit card. Any other uh, benefits you heard from constituents? The other big benefit at
1: the beginning we sold to people on was that you know you get out of your car and you walk to the you head to the destination the direction of the destination where you're going and you pay to the first meter you come to. But That meter's not working, or like you said, you pay it and your time's expiring. You can pay it the next closest meter you're at. You don't have to go back to the same meter. You never have to go out of your way to pay the meter.
0: I love that, yeah, because, so Dave, I I work with a lot of uh, parking operators over my careers, and we've implemented paid parking from scratch. And so I always like uh, having a list of kind of the benefits, and that is one they like too, where you're not walking backwards you walk toward your destination you're going to find a kiosk that you can pay at so it's on it's on right. your path yeah yeah what about just in general i mean were you losing sleep over there? like what you know what had the whole damn the torpedo you were you were the first Were you i don't know are you a risk taker what do you think or you, you i did didn't you think, think i was I a, had risk a Yeah, or, go ahead yeah. but
1: everyone seems to tell me i am now but the biggest fear in that is that what i said earlier is that We did not want to issue a ticket to someone who paid, because if they lost the integrity of the system, it would be a failure. So we've come up with uh, several software fixes. We have fuzzy logic, which catches a transposition here. Or if you only put six of your seven digits in, it'll count it as a paid plate if you paid. If you transpose uh, letters and numbers, we'll catch that. Uh, Latency issues with the meters. If a meter goes down, we have a software circumference. If an officer enters the plate in that circumference, it'll show everyone being paid because, again, I did not want to issue tickets to someone who paid. I'd rather someone, you know, get lucky and beat us for a
0: day. Uh, That's awesome because that's always the nightmare that one meter of the mobile app goes down and you issue 72 tickets and it has nothing to do with your staff, the friendliness, your efficiency, your… You know, you have all your, your, your T's crossed and I's dotted and then, bam, the mayor's wife gets ticketed because uh, there was a server outage or something. So, that's really cool. That well, I forgot what you called it, but it looks at like a geo area. Geo no fencing. If a, yeah, if, you, if a meter's down in that area, it shows everyone is paid. So, was this… License plate recognition was it mobile LPR enforcement, or they were walking around a handheld? How did you start, and where are you at now with how it you was a walk them?
1: around handheld when we started? Uh, yep. A year later, we implemented the LPRs, the license plate recognition uh, mobile on the vehicles, and then uh, three four years later, we did the uh, LPR on the handhelds also, and then in 2015, we introduced the first pay f- our first phone app. And it was very successful. And in 2018 or 2019, we introduced uh, three more. So currently, we have four phone apps along with the meters. And it was a very easy sell. Now we were pitching to people, if you don't want to remember your plate no more, just download the app and put it in once. Uh,
0: (laughs) Uh, I love it. So are you a quote-unquote mobile app because you're using four different apps? Or are they different apps for different districts? Or are you a true kind of mobile app city?
1: True mobile map city where whatever you're in, you have your choice of any to four.
0: Oh, wow. That's really impressive. You might've been one of the early adopters of that as well. We were up there in the first few cities that did it, yes. Wow, man, Dave, that's impressive. And another one I saw recently in a press release was Automotus. I saw, I'm not sure the whole extent, but it looked like they were doing some kind of smart loading zone pilot. And again, that could be pretty trailblazing. Can you talk about what they're doing and uh, what your vision is for that?
1: Yes, we entered in. A, well, actually, the city of Pittsburgh was granted, a, received a grant from uh, Automotive uh, of $100,000, and later it was expanded. And uh, once they received a grant, they knocked on our door and said, you know, parking authority, we need you to run this operation because it's not in our purview. So uh, we looked at it and we thought it was a good idea too. So we're, we're actually trying to align parking and loading policies with real-time data. We wanted to decrease the emissions and unnecessary idling and circling of vehicles around the blocks. So we were trying to uh, stop the double parking and it's mostly for the uh, uh, larger vehicles for deliveries and that. And we, it's working out the data we're receiving from it is very useful and uh, very impressive from automotive. We're uh, just trying to, uh, now correct the part, work with the state to allow us to do ticket by mail through that process to enhance that uh, efforts even more?
0: Yeah. So I think it's by legislation. Maybe it says you have to put the ticket under the windshield wiper of the car yes. or whatever. So we we want to look at how can we mail that? How can we change the ordinances to... Okay. So now as right now is the phase, is it just collecting data or do car do fleet vehicles register and use some kind of clock in and out when they're parking on the curb? Or right now, are we just collecting the data?
1: No, we did collect the data at the beginning, but now they can register for the app through automotive, make the payments, park there. We'll enforce it manually through our officers. It's just not a very efficient process of enforcement.
0: So like if FedEx wanted to stop getting ticketed for double parking, they could register their drivers and you pay to use that Or maybe it's free, but they're permitted to use that uh, zone and you'd have the data and they have a place to park without double parking and causing the congestion and cruising and all that.
1: That is correct. Yes, they can. Today they can download the app through Automotive and register and make payments on it. We have the rate schedule set up and it is being used again. You know, we're just looking to take it the next step to be more efficient. And I think uh, if we get ticket by mail, That'll drive uh, increased compliance, also.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the future. I think in 10 years, every city uh, will be, not every, but a lot of them will be kind of, you know, we're doing in our tolls. I don't nationwide, pretty much every toll I go through now, you know, you you no longer hand the cash or the ticket to the cashier. You know, you just drive through and you get your, adds it to your rental car or it mails you the, ticket in the mail to pay it off or you get a fast pass which would be similar to our permit or a mobile app payment so good for you guys again trailblazing one reason you guys were an accredited parking organization with distinction by ipmi tell us about that experience
1: yes well you know i was uh got heavily involved with ipmi i just uh served as uh the chair i'm past chair now and uh Nice. all i can say is you know i'm uh, very pleased it was be on the executive committee and i know the uh the board and the organization's in good hands now that gary means is the uh new chair current chair yeah. and uh even down the road we have alex Argudin as the uh, chair elect so uh, i'm sure the uh, organization is in good hands and we're going to see good things coming forward from them
0: we've had them both on the podcast too so they're they're uh Previous podcast guests. So, yeah, congrats to them and congrats to you. I'm looking forward to what they bring. But, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yes, they are trailblazers. So, uh, I enjoyed working with them. I'm still working with them. But APO is a uh, standard the, the IPMI st- uh, established for a comprehensive standard of excellence for organizations to try to achieve. It's a 14 categories with from uh, operations to finance to marketing. It covers all aspects of your operation. You have to, uh, answer and respond to all these different categories and questions and get, you know, like 80 to 85% of them correct. Then ongoing, you have to maintain the excellent of standards and be willing to, uh, maintain the, uh, APO status going forward, which you have to renew every three years, uh, with distinction just means you're, uh, going to, uh, require a couple additional questions on yourself and you're bringing garages into the uh, mix. They'll evaluate garages, uh, structural stabilities and the, control operations you have within those facilities it's a great way for your organization to uh self-assess itself as i would tell our staff you know we thought we were doing a good job and we were doing a good job in a lot of places but this showed us where we were weak in some areas and needed to uh concentrate more on so i think it's a great self-assessment of your operations and once you attain this status it's just uh a recognition that you you know you can sell to the city and your residents that you know you're an industry leader as approved by the uh, IPMI, which is the uh, international leader of all parking and mobility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um I've worked with several cities on obtaining this. I recommend any city do this because I love what you said. Where you don't you kind of really don't know what you're missing until you look at the standards, you look at the criteria. A lot of I'd work with the city, and it's like. Do you have a five-year plan? Oh no, we don't or what's your mission? what's your what's your you know just different things that maybe you're not thinking about that make you think I should have a five-year plan. so it's um that's just an example. but yeah, uh, congrats to Pittsburgh uh, or public parking authority of Pittsburgh on the APO designation. We're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our platinum sponsors, so we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other onsite tasks and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker Solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcast. All right. As we mentioned before the break, you were heavily involved with IPMI as past chair. I don't think you know this, but you were maybe the longest serving chair of all time because I think because COVID, they gave everyone another uh, year since you missed a conference and everything. Uh, But I thought that was cute. But talk a little bit about your time as the IPMI chair. Uh,
1: Yes, and you are correct. I think I was just brought to my attention. I am the longest serving chair. So uh, I think that was the only positive that came out of COVID. (laughs) I've gone and Gary and Romy and said, you know, why can't we do it another year, extension? Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you got an extra year out of it. Good for you. So
1: COVID itself, you know, we had to deal with while I was chair. It was challenging in itself. But the uh, board itself was very supportive. And uh, I don't think I would have been able to accomplish what I did without the support of the board and the membership because we had a great volunteer membership always behind us. Uh, we had to deal with uh, like every organization, make sure we were you know maintain our uh, financial stability, and while we you know made the decision tough decisions like everyone did canceling the conference, we had a uh, our main objective was to make sure our membership stayed connected to during the COVID. Uh, so we did try to keep them connected by you know offering free membership and training, free workshops, webinars. A free transitional uh, for resumes and out of people were displaced with the uh, through no fault of their own, the forum and blog. and uh, people really participated on it since they were able to stay connected because everyone's budget was hurting and we didn't want people to you know lose interest in IPMI because of uh, budgetary constraints in their organization. And uh, to their uh, efforts, they all showed up and participated in all these. Uh, uh, offerings we made through IPMI. And I want to just congratulate staff and Sean for a great job they did through the whole process.
0: Yeah, I forgot that you were the chairman of the board during COVID. And I remember IPMI was just a, a trophy. I can't think of the expression, but just the, a great example of of how to lead during during crisis. And, and I do remember that people were losing jobs. IPMI would have grants and free memberships, and you know, help help find people jobs, help people stay connected. The virtual conference, some of the webinars, the cocktail hours, and yeah, wow, kudos to you and the rest of the board for that. And tell us about Flathead Dave. I, I remember as a kid having those sports. I think what are they called, Flatheads, where you got flat cut out. Flat Dave. Yeah, Flat Flat Dave. So yeah, I they, guess because you didn't get to <laughs> travel. Many of you terms or some of them got go overseas. I don't know. I'm not sure the whole story, but I think they started uh, putting these around the around the world, around the conference, the flat days. But tell us about that. That's such a great uh, story.
1: Oh, it was. I, I, before I go there, uh, you noted I was a long serving uh, chair because of uh, the COVID, too. But with that, I was probably the only chair to cancel the conference, too. So there, there's good and bad.
0: I don't think you had a choice because the hotels, <laughs> the airlines, no one was coming because that was in the. Uh, uh, yeah, they that, gover- that was in every town in America was shut down when the conference, because I guess COVID hit in March. We had the conference maybe in June. And yes, there's nothing we could do. But yeah, you did. Well, you well, made thanks the right for call. your support. Yeah, <laughs> you, made, you made the right call because I don't think you would have sponsors or members. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, when Sean approached me about it, he said, Dave, are you familiar with Flat Stanley? I didn't know what he was talking about. So that's how it started. And I guess a lot of school teachers do it. So my daughter's a school teacher. And I said, Lauren, what's Flat Stanley? She said, oh, when someone goes away, they take a picture, not a picture of himself, a cutout, and it shows them traveling everywhere. So they came up with it, you know, (laughs) a little one leery of it, but it turned out to be a great send-off. They had me everywhere in Texas, uh, overseas, and they had me in all different positions and meetings and sporting events. It was, and even in my, uh, family events, they had me up at my lake house. I don't know how they did it, but they, they touched a lot of people. And even after the conference was over, I was getting texts from people flying home with me sitting
0: next to them, waiting for an airplane, (laughs) waiting for their flights. (laughs) Oh man. They should do that for everyone now. That's so cool. And I'm. So I remember seeing the cutouts. I thought it was like, you know, those sports, they call them flat something, but I know I didn't know it was flat Stanley. I know that I have two little kids and I remember Flat Stanley. We mailed it to aunts and uncles that live in mm-hmm. South Dakota and we, we had pitches around the around the country for my kids school project. So oh that makes it even more special and funny to me now. That's great. That's great. I remember seeing those everywhere. I wish I had one for my office though, so I can think about being a trailblazer every day like Dave or Ar- Rada Ar- 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 <laughs> And another thing about IPMI, I believe you also have your CAP. So tell us about, um, I serve, I know you, Gwen, your, your director of on street there in Pittsburgh is on the cap board with me. Uh, so I know it's important to your organization, but tell us about CAP and why it was important to you.
1: Well, it's important because I think it, it distinguishes yourself as a true parking professional. If you have those credentials behind your name and you're recognized as a leader in the industry and it's, uh, The IPMI is behind it, and it's the largest parking and mobility organization in the world. So it carries Mm -hmm. a lot of weight, and it, I think, helps you both uh, personally and professionally. And I think it also, like the APO, helps your organization in your city to show how professional of an organization you are. And uh, I'd be remiss to say that I would encourage everyone to uh, apply for CAP. And uh, you can always try, but... I think myself and my teammates in the twenty ten cap class are the best ever of the cap class.
0: Oh brother. Oh no, is this Gary's class or this is a, a this is this Gary's is, class. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I know Gary's gonna be commenting in the in the notes when this is on social media, but here we go. Uh, I'm sure, I'm not, we're I'm not sure. It. I'm it's sure. a fact because I had a pretty impressive class as well. But we'll have to man, I'm gonna create I'm going to spend all my life savings on creating a, some kind of smart dashboard that analyzes different caps from each class to prove who's the greatest cap class of all time. So that's going to be coming soon. That's great. So you want to validate our class. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a great class, though. So But no, as a past chair myself of the cap board, thanks for the kind words on cap. And you guys
1: uh, on the board do a lot of great work. Thank you.
0: No, we appreciate it. And just so you know, as you know, Gwen is a rock star in the CAP uh, board as well.
1: Yes. And I, I would say I agree with that because none of the success here at the parking authority that I receive or the parking authority receives would not be attainable without the staff I have. I've been very fortunate both to have a great staff here in Pittsburgh and a great board with the IPMI.
0: No, absolutely. A lot going on. How can listeners follow along or keep up with uh, what's going on at the Public Parking Authority of Pittsburgh?
1: They can visit our new website. We just launched about uh, two months ago. We used to be under the city's website. And again, we were informed that they would no longer host our website. So we went out and uh, we developed our own through a bid. And uh, we have all, we updated it. We have all our information out there. We have our board meeting notes. We have RFPs out there, how to do business with the authority what we're about, how we were created. So I would just welcome everyone to look at our new website.
0: And I will put that website in the show notes. So Dave, when you're not parking cars for the city of Pittsburgh, what do you like to do for fun? And I hear you're a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, because they always let us beat them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I'm assuming you're a Pittsburgh or Philadelphia I'm black and gold all the way
1: through. As you noted at the beginning, I was born and raised in the city of Pittsburgh. actually yeah. never left the city limits. A true sports fan will uh, enjoy all their activities, all three major sports. I enjoy golfing, too. I just picked that up as I became more involved with uh, IPMI. It's just a good activity and way to get to uh, socialize and just, you know, meet people in a different setting that you're normally used to seeing with. And, uh, also I enjoy a lot of time at our lake house. It's only about an hour and a half away from my house in Pittsburgh. So every weekend it feels like we're going on vacation when we, you know, just getting away for the weekend.
0: Oh, I love it. Hopefully you can, um, disconnect, maybe go through a technology, uh, detox. Cause I'm, I'm getting to that point where I'm starting to love Sunday as I try to not be on my phone and just, you know. Rest and get ready for the for the new week. So I was going
1: to say as, you love Sundays because you have work Monday. Most people <laughs> like Sundays.
0: <laughs> uh, no, no, just a way to disconnect. So, uh, man, Dave, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. Thank you for your service and leadership with IPMI, especially through COVID. And I love watching you and your team what they accomplish uh, in Pittsburgh. And thanks for joining the podcast. I hope you have a great week.
1: Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me on the the podcast. I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you at our conference in Fort Worth.
0: I will be there. This episode is brought to you by Rise Rise Tech's Verge data analytics and reporting platform delivers a powerful management solution with integration to your existing technologies. I've actually seen this, and it's pretty cool. I hope you check it out. Learn why some of the largest cities in the United States, such as New York City, are using RiseTech to solve their parking and transportation challenges at risetechglobal.com forward slash parking podcast.